Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Okay, going live. Three, two... Welcome to another episode of To Boldly Watch. I'm Ensign Becca. I'm civilian Jake Michaels. Oh, Today? welcome to the ship. Yep. I've been am... decommissioned for a time. Okay, I we're going to have be... you stay in your quarters, please. We're on yellow alert. <laughs> I'll be showing you to your quarters. I am Lieutenant Commander and I guess Transporter Chief Xanderific. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Uh, so is this new carpet? It smells great in here. Oh, yeah. Everything. New upholstery. All of it. Wow. We replicate a new one every week because stains are a pain to clean. Yeah, I was wondering why there were was there carpet on a on a starship, but you just replicate new carpet every week, huh? Yeah, a couple weeks ago we just had a bunch of hay and some chickens and pigs running around. So, yeah, we just thought replicate some new carpet here. Makes total sense. Yeah, well, any rooms that we're not using, we'll just drape in some carpeting and just hope for the best, and then dust and stuff will accumulate. Well, that's hmm. good because my last assignment, there was just wires hanging everywhere. Well, if you need a wire, just grab just one. Just use Pull it. You one can from al- the ceiling. Every ship is like a Lego structure, right? Yeah. You could just remove a block from somewhere <laughs> yeah. and place it somewhere else. That's the magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. It's peak performance. Woohoo! The technically penultimate episode of season two, where a Starfleet war game simulation pitting Captain Picard and the Enterprise against Commander Riker and the 80-old starship Hathaway is interrupted by an attack from the Ferengi. Da-da-da. Spoilers! <laughs> well, I mean... That's act yeah. four stuff. Yeah. I know, but... You kind of forget. watched the episode. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of forget the... <laughs> <laughs> you kind of forgot the main problem in the third and the fourth and fifth act. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what's one of the most annoying things someone can do is follow too closely behind you. When you're I mean, driving? obviously in a car, but I mean physically in oh. person. Yeah, just walk like a foot behind somebody. <laughs> they're they're going to hate it. But if you're <laughs> like, observing, you need to see everything. Oh, you mean like Zactor Master Strategist Sirna Kolrami, who is tailing Riker? Here's the thing. I, I have I've seen all of these episodes and some of these things are my favorite parts of Star Trek. But as soon I forget things, I forget things all the time. As soon as this guy's face showed up, I was like, this fucking guy. I had like a, a visceral reaction like, oh, yeah. I didn't know what I would think of him at the beginning. And I, I wrote down cute little slimy weirdo. <laughs> I don't maintain that opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take out the cute part. He's one of those adversaries in the show that I really appreciate from an acting standpoint because mm. he made a lot of great choices. Like I think it's obnoxious to yes. to follow someone that closely. And guess what? He's a really obnoxious character. <laughs> it's a great choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think I think the delivery of him is really wonderful. And and the, if you hate him that much, yep. then that means he's doing his job. Like yes. with some with some people uh, with some of our adversaries, they've also been like just annoyingly illogical and like yeah. stubborn for no reason. Whereas this guy, his personality is to be an ass to other people because yeah. he doesn't respect people who are, I guess, lesser than him in strategy. Right. 
which is really interesting. So there's this discussion on the bridge uh, about Zach Dorns in general, and they are considered the most innately strategic minds in the galaxy. And Worf challenges this by saying, hasn't anybody fought them recently? Mm-hmm. And they're saying, oh, no, 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 they're too strategic minded and the ultimate warriors. And so nobody challenges them. And it's like, ha, ah, perhaps their reputation is stronger than their prowess. But we don't meet reputation any is all you need. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, you know, uh, the psychological warfare is and the threat, it, like table talk or intimidation, is so important, even in high level competitive gaming. Yeah, <laughs> like that of strategema. Right, strategema. <laughs> Yep, I didn't write down my pronunciation guide. It's all good. Uh, but neither did Riker because I, <laughs> the first time he says it, he's like, I'm like, they're challenge you in stratagema. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It challenge you in hegemony. Hegem- <laughs> ha- hegemony? Hegemony. <laughs> hegemony is the type of government I want to run. <laughs> That's uh, actually a great idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like this policy position. Right under my notes in this, I have this fucking guy. And then I have right underneath, I love Pulaski. And I, I'm sure, I assume it's for a variety of reasons. But right at that moment, I just felt the need to write out, I love Dr. Catherine Pulaski. So Pulaski kind of did something. I was a little like, what's going on with her this episode? Which is that she's like, we need to tear this motherfucker yeah, down. Yeah, I love like, it. I want to drop him a peg. With with Data's knee, like she was very up. ready for yeah, bust him up. Yeah, yeah. that's what she, that's that's a phrase. Yeah, that she bust him she up. Feel good. Yeah, <laughs> that's the least doctor like uh, she w- she's she would been, not- though. She would not be a part of the hugamini <laughs> no. culture. Which, by the way, there is a politician that's all for hugamini, and it was Marianne <laughs> Williamson. <laughs> Yeah, but she thinks that would be like the vaccine too, so we can't really. Hegemony! <laughs> Hegemony! Uh, before we get to the strategy, there was also the um, Riker swaying Worf into this because Worf was initially pretty reluctant to even like participate in this. He was kind of down on in it. In the war games. In, in the, the war games. Riker being pretend captain right. of the Hathaway, mm-hmm. and then when the war games ensue, they're going to pretend to fight each other, but it's all going to be sort of simulated. What a fun premise for an episode. And I was like, this would be a good Star Trek Adventures thing with like competing tables and stuff to have like a simulated combat. It, I think this was a really cool idea for an episode. It's and a legit to, fun episode, I think. Yeah, we got to see the characters be good at their jobs. Yeah. Do you guys know anything about how the US actually does strategize with war games, with simulations? Oh yeah, this is like a Pentagon no. exercise ah. of uh, this like scenarios where someone's playing Russia and then actually, uh, oh, we're getting attacked and, and this uh, this freighter was bombed or whatever. And that sort of like, this war games are, you know, uh, go deep. Mm. And I think there's a parallel between strategema, mm-hmm. strategema. Mm-hmm. We're, gonna accept, uh, <laughs> we're gonna accept them, we're gonna accept them both. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I think they're drawing that parallel of like, uh, being the mastermind of a game is the same in, in war and uh, tabletop gaming. There you go. They, I thought they did, an, similar to the last episode, they did a great job of tying themes in to yes. everybody's plot point, which is about confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, being okay with making mistakes and just uh, trying something new. And I love that everybody has like a confidence issue that we all mm-hmm. at least address or somewhat resolve in this episode. 
Yeah, well, and I think that uh, having Riker go through that selection process really gives a highlight and makes this an ensemble episode because he has to use different tactics to get people on his crew from Jordy to Worf. Like, he knows how to speak their language or yeah. like what they're good at enough to have them come on board with them. I felt like it was the setup to an Ocean's Eleven style yeah. heist. Riker yeah. going in saying, Worf, that's just the kind of thing I need on my team. You're you in. Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yes. Oh, with- fuck. That's the, the Rick and Morty yeah. episode yeah. where they the do that sort of thing. And then everybody has to say the line, son of a bitch, I'm in. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I also like that we start with with Worf in his uh, quarters, like trying to ship build, build very delicately. And he just shatters it. And I imagine when he swept it into the drawer, there's just a bunch of other broken ships <laughs> in that drawer. Just- yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I love that we got Riker's persuasion in there. He's like convincing him that, you know, I guess we're outmatched. There's nothing we can do. And the whole reverse psychology of making Worf sell himself for it. Yeah. It's great. And it's not hard. Like Worf knows that he's being played and wants to. He like you see that relationship between them as a real captain and first officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely trying to connect Worf to it as opposed yeah. to, like, uh, tricking him into it. Um, then we get that match of Stratagema, uh, which <laughs> is a finger-based dexterity mental tactic game that yes. happens on three different planes, apparently. Nailed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an, in some intense finger-wiggling the actors have to do. <laughs> and uh, additionally, all those extras slash other cast members who have to stand oh, around God. them cheering intensely. Like, that was You're doing so... it, Dana. You're doing it. Go, 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 go on. Go, yeah, go Riker. You got this. Yeah, yeah. Faster. Oh, to the oh left. my God. It was so bad. Think harder. Think faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Come what on. do you say? You got this. Wiggle more intensely. Um, <laughs> a few games of strategy depend so much on speed. Right. I've been playing a lot of chess, and let me tell you, this is no chess. Well, this is before the days of esports or large Magic the Gathering competitions, so I assume the director is like, think of it like a football game, things that you would cheer from the stands. It's like sports, right? With the finger wiggling. <laughs> it is quiet anticipation, right? deep study. Uh, think of Queen's Gambit. And the the audience in awe, quiet suspense, more like a tennis match, I guess. I mean, that would have been that would have been a little bit more interesting to watch. I think they tried to give us some intensity slash action, but that's not how this was delivered at all. No, (laughs) especially because it ends so quickly, and it's like, well, friendly rematch since that took point eight seconds. Like, let's let's see it again. Uh, But we got the crowd here. No, we got to keep those stakes high. So uh, we move on. We. The USS Hathaway, a Constellation-class starship, I believe it is, mm-hmm. uh, appears, and we go on cells. board to give it the inspection, and it oh. is a mess. What has happened? I don't know. Like, it's just it's just in poor shape. I don't and think it's Constellation-class, but just so oh. nobody comes for me. Because no. Constellation-class, <laughs> I think, is something else. Okay, let's actually, I mean, we, we have yeah. the internet. This is important. This is, uh, yeah, this is important to me. Uh, USS Hathaway, uh, yeah. Constellation class. Oh, so modified Constellation class, because I thought original. Modified. And You're both right. It, do you need to put on some glasses so you can push them further up the bridge of your no. nose when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> so it I is um, modified. Okay, well, if you had said that, then I wouldn't have corrected <laughs> you, but we can continue with the I conversation. I know that there are some people that are very into Star Trek ships, and I am not one of those people. <laughs> no, I I am, I, and so I appreciate your clarification yeah. for sure. Yes, modified. I think it has four nacelles instead nacelles, of two. Yeah, 
Yeah. If you were to open Jake Michael's desk drawers, you would just find all kinds of ships. <laughs> Broken in starships as well. I am not good at building those. Um, but they're having a tough time on the Hathaway because there's not it's it's so lame. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. But for this simulation to make sense, shouldn't we have an even playing field? But old Korami says well, it is anticipated that the stronger opponent should win or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't write it down. Well, I yeah. liked that, though. It's a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep, it's a mismatch. And you're going to have to try harder. You're going to have to overcome your deficiency in this case. Right. And so yeah. I was like, this, that what's endeared me more to this jerk because he actually has a point about what he's trying to accomplish. He's doing it in a rude way. But like, mm-hmm. uh, I like that there is a logical and um, effective strategy that he has not only well, that it only but... pisses off pulaski more yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> um but we also found out specifically from picard that this is in response to the borg attacks and so uh having a training that would be uh cobbling together parts of mismatched ships could very well be the oh. scenario that you're in when you're coming across the borg yeah, that's so, a good point mm-hmm. so i feel like this scenario was tailored specifically for something they might run into Wait, did they say Borg in this episode? Mm-hmm. In the oh, beginning. I, because Picard, and... uh, I think, let's see, how does it work out? So it, during the first conversation, Serna Kolrami says, you know, Picard, I can tell you're like hesitant about all this. And yeah. Picard says, well, we're we're an exploratory force. That's what Starfleet right. is. We're not military. But I requested this because with the Borg as a looming threat, we need to be prepared for everything. Yeah, let's get to step one here because we got to get to step 300 to even (laughs) be near their level. Yeah, yeah. So then then meanwhile, Data gets talked into challenging uh, Sir Nicole Romy. And this is like where we realize that. Pimped into? He he wasn't asked. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, he was asked. He was pleaded with silently uh, with a mouth of please. But he, what he keenly, what he like very key to what he says is like when they when they tell him that he, that guy gets to need needs to get knocked down a peg. He goes mm-hmm. to what end? And they all smile. Yes. And then the camera cuts to a different part of the scene. I'm like, that's a good question. It is a good question. Why? A human no question. Answer. Don't worry about it. Just <laughs> crush this idiot. Bust him up. Bust him we up. We don't like arrogance. I mean, which, which is a valid point. <laughs> but also, uh, we were speaking the last episode of the, a reflection of season one, Worf. We could see how this could be a reflection of the beginning of Pulaski's relationship to the Enterprise. Someone coming in condescending, seemingly condescending, just trying to help, uh, rubbing the crew the wrong way. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Pulaski could see a lot of herself in this sort of new uh, person. Sure. Yeah. So she wants to destroy him. <laughs> she must destroy him to establish dominance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, Data fails to destroy him. In fact, uh, he gets his clock clean, and it actually saps his confidence. So we have another person with confidence issues. In addition to, uh, even though he has no ego, no, yeah, it's no not heart. confidence. That's not the issue. Well, he just simply could make a mistake. <laughs> you know what I thought? A suggestion of alternate plot when this happened was. Data is reeling because he's replaying it and he can't figure out what he did wrong or if he made any mistakes and doesn't believe that he did. And it made me think this guy's definitely cheating, which would be an analogy yep. to war games and yep. uh, how anything it goes when it's And war. how Wesley's a little scamp. 
<laughs> I like that we all believed that yeah. because I, th- I think yeah. we all fell that fell for that theory, which is actually I think what the writers maybe wanted you to possibly think, especially with data being like, I made no mistakes and I've been analyzing it and nothing is wrong. So it's like our conspiracy minds are like, ah, a cheater. Now, how will we right. unearth what he did? But it's much better that he didn't cheat yeah. and he really, truly is superior. And as Picard says, when he tries to win data's confidence back, it's like it's possible to still lose and make no mistakes. And that's Gosh. such a great life lesson. That is, the, out of all of Star Trek, this is my favorite quote. This one that Picard says, wow. it's possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is Ugh. not weakness. That is life. I agree. Like, that is that is just a mantra that I absolutely love. And whenever anybody is like, oh, you're very into Star Trek, this is the quote that I, and I forget that it's the episode with this fucking guy. <laughs> it's kind of Kobayashi. Uh, uh-huh. Well, yeah. that's like there is a no, there is this, no no win scenario, right? Exactly. Yeah, and so this is the different philosophy of that. Like there is there are no such things as no win scenario is a hopeful look of like there's always an alternative, but you, it's also it's not your fault if you did everything to your the best of your ability and you still lost. That happens. It just has to be accepted as a fact. Yeah, I guess I don't like the idea of Kobayashi Maru because isn't that saying essentially like everything is a zero-sum game and you must get something back for it to have been worthy in some way? Well, this, that's at the end of a Starfleet Academy training. And so it's just prepping them for these no-win scenarios and seeing how they would react in that situation. That's the Kobayashi Maru. Right. Got it. So, so the, yeah, these two philosophies are, are kind of divergent in what they're doing, but they exist in the same reality, right? Like you, there may be situations that you cannot win, but it's not necessarily by your actions that you lost them. Like by no action. And this is, yeah. this is where we come to the next point of the episode is style. Uh, we see uh, Picard stand up for Riker's style of captaining. Picard follows the same guidelines as every other Starfleet officer, same as Kirk, same as Riker, same as anybody else. Um, but his philosophy is it is different in a sense, but that's his style of captaining to uphold those ideals. As long as the spirit as intended is still there, that's what I think is inspirational about it. I loved Picard confronting Kolrami. Like, that's how mm. I figured everybody in Starfleet would react to him instead of, like, having the intention of taking him down a peg. Because shame's not the best way to change someone's behavior. But, like, having him dress him down and be like, look, you've been degrading to people and I don't understand why. <laughs> and you need to, like, yeah. not be a dick. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, there yeah, we go. Specifically yeah. to Riker. Yeah, oh, very much to Riker. Right. And so, but then Kolrami reveals that, oh, yeah, well, I've been, I've been looking at this Riker fellow and he's got... Got too much swagger to him, and uh, he's too jovial. Yeah, he's too jovial, and it's like uh, he's horny is too much on Maine. Yeah, it's on Maine. Is it one of the heroes of Starfleet, <laughs> Captain James Tiberius Kirk, who right. whose like main account is literally just called horny? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, and reckless, <laughs> right? So I don't know. I, I was a little skeptical of that, but I do. I still love the particularness of this guy. So I love that he still kind of defended himself and didn't back down from that. Just as an adversarial well, point, not that I agree with him. Right. Well, and as much as um, we tend to uh, lump these alien species into characteristics, Riker is like the epitome of what other species think of as human. Like he's impulsive, he's horny, he's reckless, <laughs> he's adaptable. But it's like, come on. But Picard, on the other hand, may sees like you can see this other side of humanity. Right. It's a very Amerocentric 
yeah. view of what humanity will be like in the future because that's a very those are very American qualities I would think I just like exactly. on the alien Wikipedia the first three like yeah. entries are horny uh, impulsive horny and what reckless, reckless. <laughs> not wrong I'll take it yeah Reedy. oh so you've met humans <laughs> <laughs> so data I guess okay we won't say lose confidence he feels vulnerable right he realizes that uh, his programming might not always win him a challenge or uh, solve a scenario, I suppose. He really spirals. He thinks mm. that he is malfunctioning and can't be trusted because he can't understand what he did wrong. And therefore, there must be something wrong with him in all aspects. And he was like, basically, don't trust me. I'm going to stay locked in here. I don't know. Goodbye. <laughs> well, it's it's great that you said spiraling because if we look at it from like a mechanical perspective he basically went into a recursive loop and his like he cascaded you know he's in the same thing of like i could make a mistake so i can't go out there and i have to check myself so there's no but if i'm checking myself i I could make a mistake and if i make a mistake when checking myself then i can make it's very much a computer programming like it's just recursive dear humans listening that may have any depression and or anxiety this is what it looks like on the outside. Just go out there. You're going to be fine on the bridge. Who cares if you make a mistake? It's yeah. just a starship. And also, it might be a fault of your programming and not you as a person. There you go. <laughs> well, also, like, even a person with, with, with no fault of programming or however you want to phrase it is still very susceptible to confidence issues. Like, all of us go through yeah. this at some time or another. We've talked about imposter syndrome, I think, before. I mean, mm-hmm. this is all – this is everyday stuff. It's like, how do we believe in ourselves to be able to accomplish this? And which – I love that both crews of the Hathaway and the Enterprise are like knowing this is a weird scenario, but they're all giving it their best. And like they make a big deal of that throughout all of the dialogue in this episode is everybody's going to try like hell, even though this isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. And the quest should always be to dissolve the ego while knowing it is an impossible task. (laughs) Wow. That's my personal journey. Um, Did anybody notice Ensign Nagel? She's the woman with blonde hair who is constantly oh. physically in between Riker and Worf on the Hathaway. Yes. Great. I really noticed her and needed her to not be in the frame. Uh, <laughs> because like during two different conversations, she like threw herself in there. Well, look, she wanted look, to get a line and that's how you do yeah, it. Yeah, she really got it. Well, not only that, but if you kind of look at the optics of it, everybody that Riker chose was a male officer. And so uh, it's just, it's a sausage fest on the Hathaway. There, yeah. And so there are a few, like you can see in the background, there might be a few female officers that were like extras. Um, but to have one just be like, can we just get a lady in the shot, please? Now that we've lost Tasha Yar, there are no, there are no like women in command roles beyond. I mean, obviously the we've doctor had is, counselor but like and head doctor. Yeah, yeah, but like not like in the uh, I guess any battle scenario situation, like anything else right. that goes with ship stuff. So that's really interesting. I didn't think of it that way, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just quickly rewatching it. There, there's the woman with blonde hair who's facing forward. There's someone else working on the panels mm-hmm. uh, with a bun and a f- female-looking build. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then also on the Enterprise, there's a woman on the back panel. But they were like, ah, so many dudes, and we have kind of set a precedent of always having equality on the ship, and, and the bridge is no longer representing that. So yeah. I guess they were like, yeah, they're not consistent the women with in it there. for sure. Where's Troy? She should be on the bridge. Yeah, she should have been on the other ship with Riker. Oh, that unbeatable combo. Mm. <laughs> but we she's got to be on later. the Enterprise trying to take uh, Kolrami down a peg as well. Right. So Picard goes and reassures Data, as we talked about, and does our favorite quote. 
And I, I loved that very quick scene, actually. That scene was like only mm. maybe 90 seconds long, but really was the most impactful for me and really did a good job of just saying, hey, look, this is this is life. And I love yeah. that that's a very important thing to Data is telling him that that's a part of life. Is then, then he can understand that he doesn't what? quite understand, right? Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because in modern Trek, in the new Picard series, they really go into that Picard had a really special relationship with Data, the two of them. And I remember I, I didn't think that like I didn't see it overtly more than the relationship with anyone else in Data but watching it again now with those eyes I'm like oh yeah Picard and Data really do become close mm-hmm. especially the in the episode where he defends Data's humanity yeah, or, yeah exactly yeah uh worth yeah I thought this being. one was particularly in that vein as well um yeah. And Pulaski is really establishing herself as the no-nonsense uh a uh, tough love mom I love her <laughs> um well let's see we have data's counter riker tactics where he is trying to outthink his own outthinking which is i love is another loop problem for poor <laughs> yeah. data um and then we reveal that there's going to be some holographic games going on so like i guess they can replicate the enterprise believing that a romulans are attacking that's kind of nuts yeah and it seems outside of the scope a little bit yeah. but and you yeah, can see he exactly hacked their why computer, that would be right? very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I think that that is clearly part of what they've set up. There are uneven yeah. odds. You're going to have to think outside the box. And there can't be ex- explicit rules except for don't actually blow each other up um, if, if you're going to play under those guidelines. Sure, so. sure. I tell you what, I was excited. Like at this point, I was like excited for the characters to be at their stations and like doing stuff like that. And I was like, when it gets interrupted, I'm like, no, I kind of wanted to see how this plays out. You right. Know? The scene with them leading up to like starting the fight with the music and them like, all right, let's yeah. go get into our maneuvers. Everybody's really into it. Like there's a real yeah. sense of fun and adventure in this episode, which I really liked. Did we note that it was Worf who came up with the plan? Right. Yet again. Yeah. yeah. He came up with the plan last episode when he was the uh, fake Klingon captain of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he really uh, showed a resourcefulness when the woman that you were referring to asked where to find an optic cable and he pulls one from the <laughs> ceiling. Yeah. Becca, with a bunch of hay. Becca, I'm really glad you mentioned this because this kind of actually goes against, like, it kind of shows my confirmation bias about, remember when the beginning of uh, us recording this podcast, I said we should track how often people shut Worf down? Because there was that mm. montage that exists of people saying no to Worf and his ideas. Yeah. Well, like, we've actually seen a lot of yeah. examples of him being incorporated to this stuff, and that montage doesn't exist. So it's like, I reinforce that belief in myself, and now we're seeing a lot of counter examples. So, like, I'm glad they were more fair to Worf than I was led to believe. Thank and you again, for acknowledging your confirmation bias because, <laughs> God damn it, that would really change the world if more people could do that. Yeah. <laughs> we also see Worf um, grow because at the beginning of the season, remember, that was his first time as the head of security. And so now leading up to being a first officer in a mock war game, you know, I think that really does show character growth and tactics and how he thinks about battle. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to have to look up this montage of Worf getting denied. It's like, but you know, when you and, come up with a lot of ideas, half of yeah. them are going to get shut down. There's another one like Worf is bad at his job and it's just him like attacking and falling over or missing <laughs> or like punching a wall. <laughs> Do you remember when he punched the wall in the casino? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, well, no, he tried to phaser it out of existence. He's just like uh, he moved, trying to melt he this just, wood panel. 
He moved a casino game arcade. Oh, he was, yeah, he was trying cabinet. to shove against the wall. He started literally trying to push it down, and he was in like a pocket dimension. Yeah, it's like the barbarian trying to smash his way out of astral space or something. Right. <laughs> but anyway, the Ferengi show. Up. Then the Ferengi show. What are they doing here? This had nothing to do. Like, okay, I guess I get we should expect the unexpected in these scenarios. Like, mm. that's kind of the lesson, and we're also trying to teach good old uh, Cerna Colromi, uh, Colrami right. about like how uh, there are other situations and you shouldn't do what is statistically the optimal choice. Uh, but like it kind of seemed a little rando, right? Mm-hmm. It also seems like if you're setting up a war game, you should really inspect the perimeter of your playing ground to make sure no uh, non-friendly vessels are within warp speed. Yeah. But, you know, that's just me. Yeah. Well, they also didn't plant the seed early in the episode that the Ferengi no. could be out there. Like, they didn't say, yeah. we're near Ferengi space or something like that. They were just like, well, here's a new problem. I mean, no complaints. It was a fun twist of like, oh, no, we're pretend fighting each other. And now we're vulnerable because we made the Hathaway be completely stripped of, of any real weapons. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, uh, they tried to establish the Ferengi as, like, the adversaries for this crew. And so they had, like, a quotient of episodes. So, like, we have to have at least, like, three or four Ferengi episodes to keep them in. Where can we shove that? Oh, we need a bad person? Oh, let's just put the Ferengi in there. I like the use of opportunism as Uh a core tenet of Ferengi philosophy. It's like... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Weakness, weakness, right there. Go for it. Yeah. Have they said the phrase like the rules of acquisition at all? I yes. think yeah, they did. In the, we did okay. In the Last first season. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen much of the Ferengi since then, so we we kind of right. dip in and out of their storylines. I feel. Yeah. Uh, and they only have ten of their minutes to to deal <laughs> with the Ferengi. Ten which, of your Earth minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it got me thinking. Oh, what is time out here? How do the Ferengi do it? I guess it makes sense because our time increments are based off of the sun, like the length well, of our year I and imagine, the length of our day. I imagine they, they judge time by how much money it's going to cost them while thinking. Yeah. I tell you what, like, but does that go all, up and down with inflation? You have $10 of our time. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> yeah. Check the exchange rate to know how long that actually is. Yeah. So we devise a uh Wait, are we going to talk about the the Ferengi actors? Oh yes. Oh yeah, I was going to ask you. Okay. So, do you recognize the Ferengi actors? <laughs> it, I mean, it's not, but it's Quark. It is but Quark. But it's not Quark. <laughs> and he was actually in the first Ferengi yep. episode we saw, uh, the last Outpost, I think. Yes. And he was—he's been a different Ferengi each time. But uh, for those of you that don't know, Quark is a main character on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. So the yes. Captain Braktor, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. uh, that's played by the same actor whose name is Armin Shimmerman. Yep. And he just looks great in Ferengi ears. Yeah, he yeah he Can't works. Deny it. He works those ears. He also he nails the the speech with the teeth, the prosthetic teeth, because not all of the actors who play Ferengi do, but he seems to have this down, which is why I bet they keep calling him back. That'll book you a job right there. Mm-hmm. Talk with practice teeth. <laughs> Same with the intensity of his eyes, which I definitely remember much more as Quark. Like he's a great. Uh, for lack yeah. of a better term, eye actor. Uh, it's <laughs> important, though. You can't. Uh, we naturally, when making eye contact with someone we're talking to, are going to switch eyes. And I started to watch a masterclass with Michael Caine from like the early nineties. Oh, yeah. He's like, pick the eye closer to the camera and you stick with it. Yeah, he, was really bad he wants you to Mike never Caine blink on camera. I remember that. 
it rains. Yeah, you say so that? Yeah. specific, mm-hmm. but Acting. it kind of stuck with me <laughs> because it is noticeable when someone's eyes are moving and you're in a close up. It's distracting. Yeah. It's also a way better uh, way to connect with another person because there's so much uh, subconscious stuff happening when you are making eye contact with the person. Also, if you have really big eyes, it'll move you from being an extra in like the gangster storyline to a big Klingon <laughs> later on. <laughs> Truth. Go wrong. Uh, so we make the choice to sacrifice our own, right? And the Ferengi fall for it. But in truth, we just warped out of there really at the last millisecond. If With- they were off by a millisecond, the Hathaway would have been And they destroyed. were using Wesley's science fair project or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Another person who was like lacking confidence because uh, he was regarded to as a kid, right? And they yeah. built his confidence up. Yeah. Kulrami thought that their only option was to retreat. And this is a theme where Picard is told, sacrifice some of your your crewmates and he'll never leave someone behind, which is definitely just a pillar of who he is. So of course that's not going to happen. Well, when you're thinking only in numbers in like a strategy game, you don't see the people behind it. And he doesn't know this crew and doesn't have the same sort of familiarity or attachment. So it makes sense that he would like advise that course of action. Yeah, they're master tacticians, not master people right <laughs> i forget to is picard the only one that knows that wesley's like the chosen one or was Riker in on that as well you mean from the whole traveler yeah. episode oh man i think I picard I forgot well because <laughs> i was you like, just forget that someone's the chosen one yeah. yeah well you know they haven't been acting like it oh yeah aren't you the chosen one because if, if i was Riker picking people for my ship i would be like okay i want everyone and the chosen one please <laughs> that's how you know you're not gonna lose yeah i know you're destined for greatness so i'll take you on every mission and uh, just any thoughts whatsoever if you have them just let me know <laughs> open ear for you wesley <laughs> That's interesting. I'll have to go back and look at what it was said about him be being Picard, the chosen one, or if he shared it. with I feel the like crew. you're right. It's only it's only Picard knows that the traveler kind of prophesied that. But even Picard's kind of suspicious right. of everybody who's master sentient, right? Like, yeah, because yeah. he's been through the whole Q ringer. Exactly. So he doesn't. I don't. I don't blame him for not trusting. Oh, with a grain travelers. of salt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was peak performance. Oh wait, uh, we have to talk about the solution that Data came up with to, because I thought this was great too. To in oh the yeah, game. of course, yes, thank you. In the game, uh, he actually does come up with there is a way to quote unquote beat Kolrami by just blocking uh, his opportunities to win. Stalemate. It goes on forever. That's pretty awesome. I love that choice. Um, and another thing about Cole Rami is that he finally admitted that Riker was admirable. Yeah. Right before awkwardly slapping the new redhead extra on the bridge on the shoulder. And it was like, what, what dude? What? And it yeah, was another yeah. of those great small character choices that the actor made to make this guy super awkward. <laughs> right. Uh, that uh, extra, by the way, you guys might recognize Glenn Morshower. He's a actor who's been on a ton of things, and he actually comes back in Star Trek, I think, Generations. Oh, okay. But he's, uh, I mean, he's like always playing like a military person in like TV shows and movies. And I stuff want to like know that. the etymology of, you know, how last names always come from someone's profession <laughs> or something. They're like, oh, he really needs the more shower. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of sweat glands in that ancestry. <laughs> Um, but about Strategima, yeah, yeah, that was a fun, like, I don't need to win. I just need to not let him win. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in essence, I busted him up. 
Yep. <laughs> Which enrages Kohlrabi. Like, people can't yeah. really follow what's happening. Uh, they think it's just a really high-scoring game. But he's like, you're making a mockery. Like, you won't let me win, even though I'm clearly better than you. And I like to think of this as, because this was the same era of, like, the PC was just being introduced with, like, solitaire and chess and stuff that you could play against, like, a, a prototype a AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A computer. So I feel like that's sort of the attitude they took of, like, anyone can beat a computer because that's level one of the chess game. Right. Well, I think that um, this is why there needs to always be an ultimate win condition. Mm. And you need to have an alternate (laughs) win condition such as decking yourself uh, because sometimes people come up with an infinite loop and the game, no game's fun that ends in a draw. Come on. We did see the future equivalent of a table flip. Yep. <laughs> just plucking off the finger diddlies. <laughs> you know, I just got reminded at the end of this too, like I, I'm not surprised Data lost his confidence because Pulaski said something which I found was kind of shocking, which is said, you know, you're supposed to be infallible. Yeah. Which I, I realize means that he's not supposed to make mistakes, right. but like that would definitely sap my confidence. Like I kind of get why he, he went down his logic circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say that to myself in the mirror every morning, and it doesn't help. <laughs> You're supposed to be infallible. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> well, that was peak performance. And uh, next week, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can join us for Shades of Grey, where Commander Riker fights for his life in sickbay after being infected by an alien parasite. But Dr. Pulaski soon discovers the only way to save Riker's life is to force his mind to relive painful memories which means words, i guess we'll be seeing the the worst scenes of mm. season one <laughs> just right we at least up. get 25 shades of gray yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but if you aren't a patreon subscriber we'll be kicking right on into season three with Woo. evolution wesley's latest science experiment escapes the lab oh, yeah. threatening the enterprise and an eminent scientist lifelong project Wesley Wes the chosen one (laughs) the chosen one for some mischief I'll tell you that yeah all right well I can't wait to get to the end of this season and get us some clip reels so engage no bust him up bust him up bust Bust him up up. (laughs)